welcome to the Soul Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Beltow, and I am grateful to have you here with me today. This podcast is all about sharing stories from the heart so that you know, recognize, and realize you're not alone. You're not. We are in it together, which is why I also created a community space where we can hang out. Oh, I love being over there and would love for you to join me. You can learn more about it in the show notes below or on my website, jenniferbeltoff.com. It's a free space outside of social media where you can show up exactly as you are. I can't wait to see you there. And speaking of stories from the heart, this episode is one that is, oh, so meaningful to me, and I am grateful to be able to be here and share it with you. It is the story of Emma June making her way into the world and what that looked like and how I felt and all of the things. And so where to start? I guess at the beginning, right? Well, her due date was officially on July 13th. That was a Wednesday. But the doctor had said that if I didn't go into labor before that fall, not the following, before the previous Friday, so that would be July 8th, that he was going to bring me in to induce me. And every appointment I had leading up until that point, you know, those last few appointments I had, really made it seem like to me that that July 8th date was going to be the date because there didn't seem to be any action or indication that I was going to go into labor before then. So that was in my head, July 8th. And actually when the doctor gave me that date, I was so grateful because that July 13th date, you know, that's in the air, you know, it could happen, it could not happen, but it felt like, all right, the 8th, that's the day. <laughs> that's when it's going to happen. So the Wednesday before that, which was July 6th, I went to my final doctor's appointment. And that was where he was just going to, you know, check the usual things. They were going to take my blood pressure, give me an ultrasound, put me under the stress test. And I have been doing these weekly for a while. So I was used to them. So I went alone to the appointment thinking it was going to be just like every other one. I come in, I check everything, high five, out the door, and there I go. See you next week. This one was a little bit different. I went in, they gave me the ultrasound, everything looked great. I did the stress test, everything looked great. They took my blood pressure, mm, not so great. In fact, it was super high. And that's when the doctor said, you know, we were going to bring you in on Friday, but you're going to go today. And when he said those words, it was like one of those moments where somebody tells you something and you hear what they're saying, but you're not processing at all what they're actually saying. And I heard it, but it wasn't truly sinking in that, oh, wow, this, this was going to be happening today. I wasn't going to go home, go to bed, you know, have the next couple of days, and then go in on Friday. No, mm -mm. it was today. Today was the day. And I held it together in the office. It was like, all right, 
I got it. I need to go directly to the hospital from here. I'm not to go home or do anything like that. Just go straight from here to there. Got it. Check. All right. And I walked out of the office in this complete haze. And it was so different from any other time I left his office. Because usually I would walk out. I would go to the receptionist. We would chit chat. I would make my next appointment for the following week. But this time there was no need to make another appointment. This was happening. I didn't even stop at the reception desk to chit chat with anyone. I was in this cloud (laughs) and just silently left the office. When I got to the car, I called Dustin. And of course, (laughs) he did not answer the first time. Every other time I have called him when I left an appointment, he has answered. This one time, he didn't. I'm thinking, all right, you know, I got to punch in the GPS, how to get to the hospital because my brain is not working right now. And luckily, it's not too far of a drive. It's probably 15, 20 minutes, not even 20. It's probably 15 minutes from my doctor to the hospital. I punch it in. I call him again. He answers this time. And as soon as I hear his voice, I just break down crying. And he instantly thinks there's something wrong, you know, because I'm crying. And every other time I've called him after these appointments, it was like, nope, everything's great. I'll see you when I get home. And he's like, what's wrong? What's what's going on? Talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me. And I'm trying to get it out, but I'm all worked up. And I tell him, this is it. You know, my blood pressure is high. The doctor wants me to go to the hospital now. You know, there's no cause for panic. There's nothing truly wrong. You know, in the moment, I'm just, now's the time. You know, she's ready. And luckily, he really helped to calm me down a little bit on my way uh, driving to the hospital. But I was still, you know, feeling these anxious feelings. I missed a couple of turns because I wasn't paying attention to the GPS. And finally, pulled into the parking lot. I pulled directly to the valet and I was all over the place. I didn't know what to take. I didn't know what to leave. I mean, I didn't have much with me. I grabbed my purse and then I still had Dustin on the speakerphone in the car. As I'm getting out, I hear him talking. I just hang up because I couldn't figure out how to disconnect the speakerphone from the car and just get it onto my phone. So I just like, just hang up. The valet takes my keys and there I am, me. And my purse, and I'm walking into the hospital. And when I walked in, there was a security there that kind of like took your temperature and just made you then go into line to wait to speak to the receptionist. And so as I'm standing in line, you know, more people kind of fall in behind me. And the security guard comes over and he asked if I was going in to visit someone. And I was like, no, I'm actually here for labor and delivery. I mean, I was very calm. I wasn't in labor. There was no cause for alarm or panic. It was, you know, as if I had woken up that day. I was, I was all right, you know. And he's like, oh my goodness, do you need um, a wheelchair? I was like, no, I'm okay. He goes, do you know where you're going? I was like, I have no idea. And so he kind of directed me to where I had to go. And I made my way up there. Got to that receptionist's office, and then she told me which room to go into. And she brought me over to there and walked me into the room. She told me to change into the gown and said someone would be come in to like 
process me and do all the paperwork and all that stuff. And that was that. There I was now, standing in this hospital room, my head totally in this cloud and haze, feeling extremely anxious because it was not at all how I was expecting my day to go. I did not realize, you know, now was the time. And I'm looking around at all the things that are in this room, you know, the different monitors, the the bed that is there, the chair, you know, and I'm kind of just taking it all in. I call Dustin and I say, right, I made it to the room. I sent him a couple pictures of what the room looked like. He let me know that he was on his way home. I told him there's no reason to rush. You know, I mean, nothing was going to be happening right now in this moment. So for him to, you know, go home, take your time, grab our things, jump in the shower, whatever you got to do because he was at work. And then I figured, all right, I mean, she said change into the hospital gown. I guess I'll do that, right? And I start to undress and then I'm thinking, wait a minute, they said they're going to be sending someone in to check me in. Should I maybe change in the bathroom? (laughs) And so I'm like, all right, I'll go into the bathroom. And so I start to change, but I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how to put on the hospital gown. The ties for the arms weren't tied. And I, I just couldn't get it. I just, it was taking me a while to figure out how to get this contraption on. (laughs) And then as I'm putting it on, I'm thinking, do I keep on my underwear or do I take my underwear off? I mean, I'm having a baby, so I'm not going to be able to have my underwear on. So I guess I'll take it off. I mean, no one really told me (laughs) what I should be doing. Somehow I managed to get the gown on. I don't even know if it is on properly, but it's on. I walk out of the bathroom and I'm, you know, just alone in the room. And it hit me, you know, I was like, wow, this is actually happening now. And it's wild because there were moments throughout my pregnancy where I almost forgot I was pregnant, where I was just, you know, living life. I mean, it's nine months, it's a long time. And even now in that moment, it didn't feel like it was real. That like what was growing and thriving inside of me was now going to be coming out of me. And I was going to have a baby that I had to take care of that was going to be coming home with me. None of that was really truly processing or feeling real. And yet it was very much real. I was in the hospital, right? You know, I'm standing there trying to to process it and I just can't. I didn't even know what to do. I felt so alone, so out of sorts, just kind of thrown in to the situation. And I figured, well, I guess, you know, I get into bed, right? right? That's what I do. (laughs) And so I did. And it was actually kind of pretty high up, but I managed to climb my way into it. And then the folks came in to process me and they said, you, you got into this bed by yourself. 
<laughs> I was like, we could have lowered it for you. I was like, I, I, I don't know. I managed somehow, you know, in this haze that I was in. And they're processing, doing all the things that they have to do. And then Dustin walks in. And it was seeing him that I was almost able to take that first deep breath and realize, oh, I'm not alone. We're in this together. I don't know how, but one way or another, this is going to happen. And I really, truly didn't know how it was going <laughs> to happen. I didn't take any type of birthing class. You know, it wasn't really kind of pushed on me. And so I didn't really seek it out. I just figured they always say it never goes the way you think it's going to. And so even if I took some kind of a class, all I thought is I wouldn't remember what they told me anyway, because in that moment I'm going to be in, I don't know, <laughs> right? I don't know where. And it probably wouldn't go the way they say it is. So I don't know. There's going to be trained individuals in the room with me. They know what they're doing. They've done it time and time and time again. They'll be there to guide me through the moment that I'm in. And so I just trusted that. And now here I was, you know, totally unsure of what was going to happen. But seeing Dustin, oh, that breath of fresh air really calmed me a bit. And I needed that because I was just feeling so out of sorts. And then the nurse comes in, kind of explains everything that's going to happen, how they're going to induce me, let me know um, the doctor who's going to do it, what it would feel like, what to expect, what I needed to do, and letting me know that really, you know, tonight, not much is going to happen. You know, you're basically here to sleep. Not much is going to happen until the morning. And so the doctor ended up coming in. They did what they had to do. And that was, you know, pretty much it. They inserted what they had to. And once they did that, I didn't want to go to the bathroom because they said, you know, if you go to the bathroom, they could come out. If it does come out, no problem. They could put it back in. But, you know, just be cautious, watch when you go. But in my mind, I'm like, I just, I don't want to have to go through that. I don't want to have to call someone and tell them to do this again. <laughs> you know, so I kind of try to just avoid the whole having to go to the bathroom. Dustin slept on that wonderful pull-out couch thing that is probably the most uncomfortable thing in the world <laughs> right next to my bed. And that night, I really didn't get much sleep. I don't think he did either. I was just filled with so much uncertainty running through my head of what's going to happen? What is this going to look like? Feel like? How will it all play out? And we had like the, my bed was directly next to his little pull-out couch thing, you know, if his thing was pulled out, you couldn't even stand between us. That's how close it was. And so I put down the, the rails of the bed so that I could see him. And I just remember looking at him and 
tears coming from my eyes because I was scared, you know, scared of will I actually be able to do this? That's all I kept thinking is, am I strong enough to do this? And what if I can't? You know, what if, what if I, what if I can't do it? What happens, you know? And just all the fears that you have, feeling like there's this great unknown before you. And it's this huge mountain you feel like you have to climb, yet you've never done it before. You have no idea what to do, no idea what it's going to look like or feel like or how you're actually going to be in the moment. And it's terrifying, or at least I was terrified. (laughs) You know, there's probably others who weren't. But for me personally, I was terrified. And I think all those anxious nerves is really what kept me up at night. And also the bed was extremely uncomfortable. I had my pregnancy pillow at home, which helped me, you know, kind of get slightly comfortable in my own bed, which was a hundred times more comfortable than the hospital bed. But being in the hospital, it was just my hips were achy. My back was achy. I couldn't find a comfortable position. I remember at night just putting in my headphones and listening to podcast after podcast to just try to get my mind off of everything that was running through it, you know, in that moment. The next morning, when I woke up, the doctor came in to check on everything, you know, and basically said, not much is happening right now. You'll probably, you know, start going into labor, you know, around dinner time. So don't really expect much to happen. And so that's what I thought, you know, he said, you know, you can have something to eat for, for breakfast because we got time. And so the hospital brought us and I in both breakfast. But for me, when I am in nervous situations, like I want to eat something that I've had before, something that's comforting, something that I know how my body is going to react to. And I just had zero appetite for what they were giving. And I tried to eat it because I kept thinking like I need to eat something to have the energy to get myself through whatever it is I'm about to go through. But uh, the food at that moment was just not very appealing to me. And it was just oatmeal, you know, and a muffin. But I I wasn't feeling comfortable, (laughs) you know. I was in this unknown state. And timing-wise now, everything is completely a blur for sure, (laughs) right? I started to go into labor some point during that morning and they kept checking on me to see how many centimeters dilated I was and it wasn't much. You know, it really did seem like the doctor was right and not much was going to happen until dinner time. And then I started to feel contractions and I've again never done this before, so I had no idea what they would actually feel like, what the intensity is from, you know, when they first start to when it's like, wow, this is epic <laughs> intensity. I don't know, you know, what the difference is between that. 
And so as the the pains were coming and the pressure and all that that I was feeling, just trying to breathe through it, you know, really stay focused, be in my mind. I knew going into it that I was going to take an epidural, but in my head, all I kept thinking was I want to make sure that I don't do it too soon and that the epidural wears off before I actually have the baby. But also, I don't want to wait till it's too late and I can't have it because I don't think I could do this naturally. And so I was really trying to just, you know, breathe my way through the pain, really, you know, I mean, get myself through it. At one point, the nurse, who, by the way, was amazing, just one of the sweetest, sweetest people, so kind, answered every single crazy question. Dustin and I had so patient, nurturing, uh, I mean, amazing, grateful for her beyond words. And there was one point where she took me out of the bed. I was really uncomfortable and put me on to an exercise ball. And once I sat on that, I felt a lot better. And so I was on there for a while, breathing through the contractions that were coming. I was watching Bravo. I was watching the housewives, you know, on my phone, just anything to try to get kind of my mind off of the pain. And I didn't make a, like a playlist, like a lot of people do. I was going to, and just never did, you know, and it's funny because she kept saying, you know, a lot of people play music to help them get through this. And I was like, nah, I'm good. You know, I got, I got my housewives. I'll keep my eye on them. And then you know, there was just one point on the ball where I uh, was completely uncomfortable. I didn't want to sit on it for a second longer. And so the whole time that I'm on there, though, Dustin keeps, you know, asking, like, are you sure you don't want me to, you know, ask the nurse to get you the epidural now? And again, like, I had no idea at what point I should get it. So I was really trying to, to push my way through and go through as much pain or uncomfortable or whatever it was until I couldn't bear it anymore. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. He goes, you don't look very good. And he knows me. He knows that I am incredibly stubborn. And even if I am suffering, I will say I am fine. And so he was really trying to advocate for me and be like, you know, you don't, you don't have to be in this kind of pain. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this way. But I, you know, stubborn, I kept pushing myself through. But then there was that point where, you know, I was like, I got to stand up from this ball. It's just not doing it for me anymore. And as I stand up, I'm probably up for about a minute or two. And then all of a sudden, my water breaks. And I look down and I look up at Dustin and I say, I think my water broke. And he's like, oh, yeah, that definitely did just happen. (laughs) He goes, let me call the nurse. So he calls her and she comes in and she was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that to happen. And she was telling me that because my water did break, that now I was going to feel more intense pressure. And it was going to be a lot more intense than it was prior. And so her knowing that I did want to get the epidural, she jumped out to try to grab the anesthesiologist because they were going into someone who was having a C-section, but she wanted to try to get her before she went because she knew how quickly the pressure was going to intensify. 
And my goodness, thank God she did because she was right. (laughs) The pressure really did intensify after that. And it was rough. But the anesthesiologist came in rather quickly and they did the epidural. And it was very soon after that, that that pain started to be a lot less. And oh, I needed that because it was rough for them for that moment. And I was able to relax, you know, for a little like. Take a breath. Be in the moment. Just be right where I was. And I was glad, so glad, you know, that she was able to catch her. And still, though, um, they weren't really thinking that even though my water broke, I really wasn't still dilated that far along. So they didn't think, you know, much was going to happen. So again, in my mind, I think, you know, I'm in it for the long haul. Not much is going to happen until dinner time. All I was thinking, and it was probably not even lunchtime yet, you know? And quickly after that, the doctor came back to check on me, and he was a bit shocked. He's like, whoa, 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 you're 10 centimeters. Like, I am. He goes, I was not expecting this. This is great. (laughs) You know, I thought it was going to be much longer. And so then it began, you know, it was time to start pushing to do something I have never done before in my life. And I was really nervous about this because all I kept thinking was, how will I know how to do this? You know, like they try to explain to you, like, it should feel like this and you should do this. But how, how do you do that? I had no idea. And they say, you know, your instincts will just kick in and you will know what to do and you'll do it. And it's true. My instincts did kick in. I mean, the nurse was amazing, you know, guiding me through it, really helping me figure out how to do it. But your instincts are there. They kind of got you. They got your back, right? You know, they always say, trust your instincts. Well, it's true. (laughs) It is absolutely true. And I had Dustin right there on the left side of me holding my hand giving me water, really, you know, being this amazing pillar of strength and oh, beyond grateful for all the water that he gave me. He was like my little water boy giving me his water bottle and the words he was whispering into my ear and just having his presence right there next to me meant the absolute world. You know, it's incredible when you have this relationship with someone where they have seen all of you, right? They have seen you at your best. They have seen you at your worst. And they have seen everything in between. And to have this love and trust and mutual understanding, there's nothing in the world that is more valuable than that. And when you're going through a moment where there's so many unknowns, where you're terrified and you're just uncertain, to have that pillar of strength next to you really, really helps. And it is really what helps me, you know, keep pushing, to keep showing up, to stay strong, 
to be as strong as I was. And so I'm pushing, you know, and it, it's so funny because it's, I mean, of course it's nothing like it is in the movies, right? I mean, nothing ever is. But I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I pictured. I don't know if I really pictured anything at all. But it was nothing like I expected. You know, it was just me and Dustin and the nurse. And she's talking me through. She's telling me when to push. She's telling Dustin, you know, where to hold my leg in a certain way or what to do. And then, you know, after I push, you know, there's this little break. Chatting. Dustin's asking questions. (laughs) You know, I'm just listening to their conversation. And then, oh, time to push again. And so I do. And it, I don't know, it was just so different, so different than what I expected. And so I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I was pushing for four hours and I would get her down. And then as soon as I stopped pushing, she would just go right back up. I would get her down. Dustin even saw, you know, the top of her head. They saw that she had all this hair, which I was not expecting at all. But then I would stop pushing and she would go right back up. And I just, I, I couldn't get her through. I was trying and trying and trying and, oh, four hours of trying. And she did not want to break through. And so the doctor came in and was saying, you know, you've been at this a long time. I'm going to give you five more minutes. But after that, we're, we're out of here. We got to do something else. And so I tried my hardest in those five minutes and still, nope, she was not coming out. And so he said, you know, we're going to have to have a C-section. And in that moment, I was okay with it because I was getting tired. I was really getting tired from all the pushing. And I just wanted to have my baby in my arms, knowing that she was out of me and she was safe and she was healthy and she was here. So any way that that had to happen to get her out safely, I was good with, you know, I didn't have any fear about going into the C-section. I just thought, you know, all was going to be, well, this is the way it's meant to be. Here we go, you know. And so they rolled me down the hallway. And they put me into this room, you know, with bright lights. And they had Dustin wait outside until they kind of prepped everything. And then they brought him in. So there, him and I are behind this curtain. The doctor is explaining, you know, exactly what they're going to do. They're giving me the anesthesia. And as they're giving me the anesthesia after they gave it to me, the top part of my body is just uncontrollably shaking. It shakes almost like you have a chill. And I just couldn't stop it. And I wasn't cold. I mean, they even brought in warm blankets to put on me, but I could not stop the shaking. I kept trying to stop it because in my head, all I was thinking was, oh my goodness, if I am shaking this much up here, is the rest of my body shaking that much? Because the doctor's got a knife down there, you know? He's doing some intricate work. I don't want to shake and accidentally something bad happens. I mean, of course I wasn't shaking down there, but in my mind, I could not 
process that. It felt like my entire body was in this shaky, shaky state. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty calm in my mind. I was just kind of like very matter of fact and like, this is what it is. You know, the doctor's going to do what he's got to do. I just have to lay here. I mean, really in that moment, there's nothing for me to do. And Dustin is next to me. He's talking to me. He's just being so supportive, so kind. Again, so grateful to have him there with me. And it's amazing how quickly all of this happens, you know, from when they bring you into the room to when they actually pull the baby out. I couldn't believe it. It happened fast, really fast. Before you know it, above that blue curtain, the doctors, holding up our sweet baby girl. And it's hysterical because she almost gives him like this side eye look of like, hey doc, why'd you just pull me out of that warm, cozy environment and into this bright, cold room, (laughs) you know? And all this hair, that was the thing that like I saw first. But I kept listening and waiting for her to cry. There was no cry. I didn't hear anything. And then I guess they bring the the baby over to like a table and was doing whatever I have to do in that moment to her. Dustin went over to kind of see everything that they were doing. And I'm just lying there. And then they bring her over to me and kind of lay her just right next to my face so that we can be close to one another. And I see her and there, you know, it's alive baby in front of me, but it's still not connecting that this is my daughter, that my baby girl is right here in front of me. What was growing and thriving and becoming for nine months inside my belly was now right here in front of me. It, it didn't connect. (laughs) It was, it didn't feel real. And still, you know, they have her next to me I can't hold her in my arms or just, you know, laying down. I'm basically just looking at her. Dustin takes a couple of photos. She still hasn't cried yet. And then they take her away and Dustin goes with her. And so there I am, you know, just laying on the table. And all I keep thinking is she didn't cry. She didn't cry. Is she okay? That's all I could think of. And there didn't seem to be any chaos in the room. Nothing felt like there was a rush or that anything was wrong. But I just felt like this worry, you know, because I only got to see her for that brief time. I don't know where they're taking her. I don't know what they're going to be doing to her. I have no idea if she's okay. And she didn't cry. And so I'm laying there. The doctors doing what they got to do. And this is what kind of (laughs) blew my mind is they're just kind of having a conversation about, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Or how's your wife? How's your kids? You know, everyday conversation as they're working and sewing me up or doing whatever it is (laughs) they got to do down there. And, you know, everything felt very calm, very you know, this is what it is. But 
gosh, <laughs> for me, it was not that way. It was that sense of, of worry and unknown. And so once they got me all sewed up and everything was, you know, I guess, done down there, they wheeled me into the recovery room, which is basically like a room that's a long hallway <laughs> is really what it felt like. And with curtains dividing the patients that are in there, I was all the way at the very end of the room. And when they pulled me in, Dustin was sitting there waiting for me. So I have really no idea how much time had passed from when he had left the room with our baby until I had actually gone into the recovery room. and. He was just sitting there waiting for me. They pulled me in. I'm laying on the bed still, you know, compulsively shaking without being able to control it. And he begins to tell me, you know, all about her and what they did to her and how she is doing good. You know, but they did have her in the NICU. And knowing that, you know, I was still worried. I'm like, oh my gosh, is she okay? Is she okay? Is she okay? Why is she there? I still hadn't had the chance to see her, you know, except for that brief amount of time. I still didn't hear her cry. I felt like, you know, like that's the thing you see in the movies, right? Like the very first thing the baby does is they cry and you're like, oh, okay, the baby's good. In my head, I was like, that's what was supposed to happen. I was supposed to hear that. And we had to stay in the recovery room for two hours and or until my blood pressure was good. Hmm. So <laughs> we're laying there or, you know, texting friends and family, letting them know, you know, that our baby girl is here and we're talking about what her name should be. And I think. I'm going to pause here because, oh, there's so much more to unpack, you know, about when I first saw her, how we chose her name, and then the rest of our hospital stay. So I think I will do a part two next week with this because there's so much and this podcast could get really, really long. But that was the first part of my journey with bringing Emma June into this world. And believe it at that, me and Dustin in the recovery room waiting for me to recover. Oh, I am so grateful for you. Grateful to be able to sit here and share this story that means so much to me with you and know that you're holding all of it with such a gentle heart. Because that's all we need in the world, right? Is for others to hold us gently and to know that we are there for one another. Please come over to the Soul Circle community so we can hang out together and learn more about one another and really see each other. I would absolutely love that. And I'm just going to leave it at that for this week. And we'll pick up with the story next week. Thank you so much for being here. And I'll be back 
next Sunday with part two of my birthing journey and bringing Emma June here into the world. Have a wonderful week and we will talk soon. Mm-hmm.